Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This portion of God's Word, in which we are reminded of our walk with Him, and the blessings He wants to give us, is taken from the Gospel of John, our Gospel reading. I'd like to share just two verses. If you like, you can follow along on the sermon outline. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. A wedding. A wedding reception at Jesus' time, was a very, very special event for the invited guests as well as for the bride and the groom. See, the common people at that time lived a very mundane life, including in in what they would eat. Most times, uh, their meals would consist of some bread, maybe a, a few vegetables if they were in season, some dried fruit, and a little wine. But at a wedding reception, that all changed. There they could have all the food they wanted, including meat and all the wine they could drink. And wedding receptions would last for several days. What a wonderful event. How they looked forward to a wedding reception. Thus, the concept of heaven being like a lavish Wedding reception. My walk with Jesus. Asking Jesus for blessings. First, ask when we are in need. Whether that need be big needs or small needs. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. What was the need at this particular wedding reception at Cana in Galilee? They have run out of wine. That's a a big problem. For in in that setting, they didn't have very many alternatives like we might have. uh, They had no beer, they had no Pepsi. So running out of wine could be a pretty big embarrassment. They commonly did not drink the water because it was contaminated. So Jesus' mother went and asked Jesus, or at least reported the problem to him, the need to him. How comfortable are we going to Jesus with our needs, be they big or small. I think oftentimes people like us go to Jesus when the problem gets bigger than we humans can handle, right? The doctors can no longer help us or our loved one. So we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, please help, please heal. Or we go to Jesus when maybe we're in debt up to our eyeballs, 
car broke down and now we need a root canal. And with nothing other plans, we go to Jesus and say, Oh Lord, help, help me. How, how am I going to get out of this situation? We go to Jesus when we have big problems. And that's good, right? Because we got a big God. But this God also invites us to come to him for our everyday needs and problems and desires. Running out of milk as well as running out of wine. Come to him for those ongoing problems that seem to bother us. I mean, think about how much Jesus cares about every aspect of your life. So bring to him our, there is no more wine. Remember, he already knows our needs. But don't get discouraged when it seems like there is a delay or a no. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Notice Jesus did not say that he would not help or that he could not help or that he did not care. He said, my time has not yet come. In this specific case, the time for Jesus to do somebody, something extraordinary had not come yet. But we know it soon would. What exactly did Jesus' mother expect, do you think? John, in a few verses, tells us that this was the first of Jesus' miracles. So it isn't likely she meant, come on, Jesus, act like God and do a miracle. How do we handle it? When Jesus responds to our need, our request, our prayer, with a, my time has not yet come. When nothing seems to happen at all, or things seem to be going from bad to worse, do we think that Jesus doesn't care? Is it listening? Do we question Jesus' power? Do we ever feel hopeless or lost? Or do we leave room for God's action? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you, servants. Wow, what, what amazing trust Mary puts in her son. It's like, I don't know what he is going to do, but I'm counting on him to do something that will be helpful in this situation. Remember, she had not seen any miracles yet. She couldn't have pondered in her heart all the things that Jesus would do in the next three years. But, let's see. Who does know? about what Jesus would do over the next three years. Who does know about his love and his care and his power and his mercy, his promise never to leave, 
is always there to provide everything, both spiritual and physical needs. Now, who could those people be? You and me, right? The people sitting in this church, and many others, of course. See, knowing and believing all that Jesus did and trusting in him as that Savior. Do we really trust him? Do we leave room for God's action? Or do we doubt when there is a delay? Or possibly, being that we are aware of God's promises, and he always keeps his promises, do we kind of take a little different route about that? Think that we have the right to to boss God, to tell him when he should act and how he should act. Because he promised, he promised. Do we tell God, thinking that we are like that father who knows best? Or are we servants that are willing to listen to him? When he tells us what to do and how to do it and when to do it in his word, do we do that or do we doubt his wisdom? Does it not seem to make sense to us at the particular time? See, dear friends, when we take those kind of attitudes, we need to realize that we are sinning and fall on our knees before our Savior, ask for his forgiveness, confident of that, And then, as in all times, continue to walk with Jesus, asking for his blessings. Be prepared then for those amazing blessings. For indeed, Jesus can change ordinary into the extraordinary. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. While the Jewish people at that time ordinarily would not drink water, they did use water to fulfill certain religious or ceremonial type washings. When I had the privilege of going to Israel more than a dozen years, every night we'd stay at some hotel. And undoubtedly, uh, at the door going into the restaurant or into the eating cafeteria area, there would be a little table with a jar, a ceramic jar with a spigot on it and a little bowl. And I would look, and the people from Israel, the Jewish people, they would pour a little water on their hands and dry it. Now, there were bathrooms just across the hall. So what were they doing? They were doing still this ceremonial washing. But can you imagine a large wedding feast that's going on several days in which there would be uh, many times when ceremonial washing would be required, the amount of water that would be needed? I mean, here we have, what, from 120 to 180 gallons. But they didn't need more water. They needed more wine. So what was going to happen? Well, the servants 
followed Jesus' advice. He did it. What help was going to be, I don't know. They probably didn't know. Does God ever have you in times of need, when there's a problem, have you do seemingly unnecessary things that you don't see how it's going to help or fit the situation at all? Do you send your time then second-guessing God and God's plan? Or have you learned to follow God's instruction as the servants did? And after following that instruction to fill the water jars, then he, Jesus, told them, draw some water out, or draw some out, and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did. Notice Jesus is not doing this miracle in some kind of a grand fashion. So everyone sees. We hear no loud words of water become wine. Just a simple, draw some out, take them to the master of the banquet. Who would be in charge of making sure of all the food and the drink was acceptable to be shared at that time? Maybe... It seems too simple. Maybe we sometimes expect the uh, surprise, the, the big deal in solving our problems. What are we to do? Trust, right? Trust Jesus as those servants did. Follow the instructions that we have in the word. Trusting and knowing that God's will has been done and will be done in the future. But then, as the servants, be prepared for amazing blessings. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Perhaps some will run out of uh, liquid refreshments today. Well, when they do, that is not their or our greatest problem or utmost need. See, the problem is we've already lost the big game. The battle, of course, against sin and, and Satan. And the score wasn't even close. In fact, the game was rigged. We didn't have a chance. See, our team, led by Adam and Eve, forfeited any chance we would have had. But we played the game poorly also. And dear friends, sadly, we're on that same team. And we still show our, our sinful parts to this day by the way we play the game of life. Complaining about every bad call that comes our way. Bad-mouthing God when he blows the whistle on us. Because we did not follow the rules of the game of life. Rules that were intended to give us blessing after blessing. We sin then, don't we? We sin, we sin when we fail to listen to our God's coaching. We want to do our own game plan rather than his game plan. Not trusting that you know, he'll provide you know, the, the blocking of those things that would come against us and tackle us. Not waiting for him to open up the hole in the line 
so that we could run through safely. See, so often we, we sin because we don't follow God's plan and we don't trust him. We don't see how his plan is going to work out or what good it's going to be for us. Yet, of course, because of Jesus, we won, right? We won. When Christ won, we won. Oh, and we can all think of that ultimate Super Bowl battle against Satan, right? We're just about going into that season, right? In in a couple Wednesdays, we'll be going into that season of Lent, when you once again get ready for that battle. You think it's been a long time uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl this year? Well, we do this every year. See, we know what happened, don't we? We know that Jesus Christ, true man and true God, in one person, went to the cross. And there, by his suffering, he paid for every sin of every person, spending an eternity of punishment there. And after he had defeated sin and Satan forever and gained for us forgiveness and a place in heaven, what did he say? He said, it is finished. Game over. Talk about a great and and marvelous miracle that seemed at the time a tremendous tragedy. But Jesus had prepared a long time for that. He lived his entire life in a way that made that possible. See, he was always willing to let God's plan be his plan. He always waited for God's timing, not his timing. He never went it alone. He never was slow, thinking God was slow in acting. He always listened to and followed God's game plan. And that game plan that was set before him by his parents and his teachers, he never doubted, always trusted, always followed all of God's instruction. And then, amazingly, he gave credit for all the right things that he did to people like you and me. Those in whom the Holy Spirit has called us to be on that team. It's as if the winner of the Super Bowl come and give you his personal jersey, the jersey that he wore. We have Christ's jersey of righteousness. Because of that, God blesses us. And we are to be amazed at those blessings. Blessings that we hope for and ask for. He, the master of the banquet, did not realize where it had come from, though the servants servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best for now. Jesus gave those attending this wedding banquet including each of us today, the best. Wine for those who were there. The opportunity to see who Jesus was in this first miracle. Truly God. God, human form. God who who would uh, make it possible to do these and many more miracles. A man who willingly 
went along, lived his life, and suffered and died for us. And we have the privilege of seeing how that played out through the rest of Scripture. The many things that point to Jesus and the amazing blessings that he has prepared for each and every one of us. I pray that the Holy Spirit who called us to be on this team will help each and every one of us, like Jesus' first disciples, grow in trust and thankfulness and be blessed. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Amen.